It is Thursday the 16th of June, this is Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast, I'm Charlie Clawson and back off the off the off the interchange bench, back out of the By twos. popular demand, popular demand. Tell me it was popular demand. By necessity, <laughs> <laughs> Michael Chamberlain from Junk Time AFL Pod. Thanks for coming back, Michael. Hello, Charles. How are you? How are you? I'm, I'm good. I, Big I don't win know. For the Saints, massive win I, for the Saints. Yes, yeah. It was a, it was it was a good week. I mean, of course, the week they get a win is also their bye week, so there's not that much to read. Like I was very much looking forward to. You know, soaking up as much as I could, but because they're on a buy, there's no one around to do interviews or anything like that. So, yeah, um, um, we'll get to that match. But I should just address uh, why Will is absent um, for the second week. I, I don't know if um, uh, everyone is aware, but uh, if you follow him on on Twitter, you'll know that he's been on um, holiday or vacation uh, in Spain, and uh, he has had no luggage. His uh, suitcase never arrived um, uh, to Spain. And he had his podcasting equipment. So he's actually traveled back from Spain without ever recovering his suitcase. So he has no idea where his podcasting equipment was. So um, even if he had the time to record one, he had no way of recording it. So he uh, very uh, uh, he very graciously said, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's get Michael back. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's a massive coffee. Sorry. Uh, Gemma's just arrived with a snack and a coffee. Cause, uh, G'day, Gem. Uh, that's, really, that's really full on. How, how, how long... Was he away? You know what? We haven't actually discussed it much, and I get the yeah. feeling that's because it's going to create a lot of content yeah. Uh, yeah. down the track. So um, uh, uh, I, I, I haven't pushed in that much because that's at least two episodes of TOEFOP. Um, yeah, yeah, I figure, that. yeah. <laughs> I, I, remember, I remember going to the Greek islands, and I, I didn't have a bag for maybe three days. And yeah. uh, so I think I, I think I had like a toothbrush and some deodorant. Mm. And something like tooth floss or something like that, and so that yeah. I kind of you know got about in the same gear for a few days, and then it, then it showed up. But was to it, have it not show up at all? That is, was, like, was it a war- be, I'd say that'd be rare. Was it a warm time of the year? Like, could you get yeah, away yeah, with it was the summer? Yeah. So yeah, I would have been July. Yeah. I had my luggage lost when I went to Scotland, and I'm, uh, and I was, I'm sure I was probably drunk for like the whole time as well. It was the Greek islands, so yeah, right. I'm sure it wasn't too much of a trouble. Yeah. Did Did you feel yeah. like the king of Mykonos? <laughs> I think I can't understand. I think we went to Eos and Santorini, and I think we wanted to kind of adventure more. But then we we're like, Ugh, "It's really good just lying here and having people funnel alcohol into you." So, is, you know, is the Greek well, islands just like? Is it like party central? Is it just like a? Is it just connections of of parties, just DJs and drunk Europeans? It seemed to be. This is back in '98, so maybe it's a, it's a fair while ago now. But uh, it, it was it was yeah, it was just. Oh, I remember. All, all, the, all the bars seemed to be kind of run by British people. And there was yeah, one right. bloke who, who kind of said, you know, he, 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 he was going to get out when some 20-year-old wanders in and called him dad. And he was like, ah, that would be my key, my key to retire. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Because he would have banged so many women. <laughs> uh, I, I'm friends with a girl who's a, a DJ. and uh, Really? She just seems, she just seems to DJ... 
parties in in Greece. And where's Ibiza? Is that Spain or is that Greece as well? Yeah, Spain, yeah. Spain. So yeah, she just moves between Greece and and Spain, Mykonos and, and Spain, and just plays parties. And it's like that's not a real job. That is not a no, real no. Job. What's her name? Uh, her DJ name? Yeah, DJ um, name. I think it's Hash Hashendrix is her. Okay. Um, Ashley is her name. She's a, yep. a lovely girl. I met her in New York. Um, uh, f- parents own the uh, Carlton Hotel chains. So uh, she got into a career in music. <laughs> the, the Carlton Hotel chains? Like, is you know, like Carlton a- Hotels. You know, the Carlton is like a, like Hilton is a brand of hotel. There's Carlton Hotels oh. as well. And her parents own that. So um, oh, I, I like believe, Carlton I believe Carlton. she was sent to DJ school in London. Yeah, really? Wow. Yeah, given some money to live off an allowance while she yeah. studied DJing. Yeah, and uh, now is she that we can also get a, a, doc- a doctorate and um, a PhD in thugonomics? Is that <laughs> next to the DJ school? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I believe that's where uh, John Cena went to university as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember doing filming on a thing years and years ago, and we got a DJ uh, to come in and do it, and uh, the, one of the production people had bought. Uh, a wheel of brie cheese to eat yeah. afterwards, like you know, to share amongst the group. And she was very excited about it, and we got back to kind of the green room, and all the beers were gone, and the cheese was gone. What? And we have no proof, but we go. We have to suspect that the dude stole the cheese. And we're like, who steals cheese? And he probably thought it was part of his. Cheese? If he's a DJ, he probably thought it was part of his rider. That's true. Wheel. It's a wheel, man. They can yeah, take man. anything. It's a wheel. Yeah, he probably thought it was just a giant tab of ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for an, for an elephant. Yeah. The BFG. Um, how's your week been? I'm a bit crook. I'm under the weather, Charlie. And the Melbourne look- winter's kicked in. We got, well, I was going to say, look, look crook, but everybody looks crook on Skype. No one's ever no, on Skype and been like, Whoa, look You look great. better you look than better. last week. I'm not sure if I, I described you to people last, but last week you looked like you're in a crack den. You had your hoodie up, yep. no natural light. Your no. face was pressed up right against the webcam. It looked yeah, like, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a bit um, Blair Witch, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. But no, you're a bit more I've, relaxed I've, now. I've at least opened up the window, yeah, to get a beautiful Melbourne uh, grey skyline. It was pouring rain. It's about eight degrees. So as Liam Pickering would say, perfect conditions for football. <laughs> As Liam Pickering would say, yes, Your Honour, no, Your Honour. I have no yeah, memory, sure. Your Honour. Yeah, yeah. That's a full one, isn't it? Yeah. It's big money. Big money involved, isn't there? What, can you remember what Liam Pickering was like as a player? I don't really have much of a memory. I think he probably played in, if he didn't play, he didn't play in 89, but he probably played in two or three of the grand finals. I think he would have been a service, serviceable kind of... Uh, 150, blanket, 150 plus, you reckon? I reckon, I reckon. Magic Mike on the uh, on the Google might be able to find out, but um, but I reckon he would have played in the grand finals in the nineties. Don't start giving our producer your own moniker. It's Mike Howell, not Magic Mike. <laughs> you come onto our podcast, you start changing the rules. Yeah, Magic Mike XXL. <laughs> no, it'd be Magic Mike XLM, right? Or whatever uh, Excel spreadsheet. Magic Mike XL spreadsheet. Yeah. yeah, but I think he would have been a serviceable player. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I do listen to your show quite a bit, and uh, you played 124 games. There you go. Well, that's about yeah. what you'd think. Um, that's 124 more than us. But you, you seem to think that uh, Liam Pickering um, is not a man of his word. 
Well, I do find it interesting how the player managers, no, they have no idea where their client is going up until the day the client announces that they're going to that team. Yeah. So if you remember that whole, the whole period of Gary Ablett, you know, there was like a year, maybe a year and a half even, of speculation that he might leave. Mm. And the whole time the managers are saying, I don't know, I can't tell you. When you go, clearly, they've got offers in front of them and they're going through the, the contracts, working out the details. I, but I think, like, I, I firmly believe that it makes sense that a player would not want to look at contracts while they're playing. Like, their agent might be bringing them offers and saying, GWS, you're offering this much, you know, the Eagles are offering this much. And I think it's entirely plausible that a player could say, I just want to focus on, you know, getting as far as I can with this team, and then at the end of the season we can table the offers. And no, mm-hmm. Or you don't think that? You think that players are already... I don't think... I don't reckon they're getting into the nitty-gritty. and But I I think you have to be. If you're an agent, you have to be bringing... You have to be informing the players of what's on offer. Yeah, you know, yeah, I agree. But to say, oh, you know, he was always going to go to Gold Coast or he's always going to go to Geelong or wherever, yeah. I don't know that the player actually does. I mean, Aaron Hamill in that uh, open mic thing was saying when he went to St Kilda, it was literally decided after the season that ended it after the best yeah, of Ferris. Yeah. Like, he... Went on holiday not knowing if he's going to be at Carlton or St Kilda that year. Yeah. So I think you know. I mean, maybe the think- managers have an idea of where the players should go, but they're not going to be able to. They can't come out and say, "Oh, our client's been offered a really good deal from this club and a you know and a no. pretty good deal from this club." Like they've got to say, you know, we have honestly no idea where he's going, which could be could be truthful. I think the problem with Liam Pickering is, you know, the the, the high profile players he's managed. It was abundantly clear to everyone <laughs> that they were where they were going. And he he was the one who refused to kind of come forward, but I don't know. Did you get the feeling though? I got the feeling with the Aaron Hamill one. Yeah, is that uh, uh, he was pretty much happy at Carlton. There was talk of him maybe going to other clubs. John Elliott made a speech about about no one loyalty, Carlton. yeah, <laughs> loyalty, hustle, loyalty, pride, or whatever. Mm. And then I think the clubs probably smelt blood and went, went, we can go, we can get him. Yeah, I think that's I think that's probably when the Saints doubled their offer or, or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I, I, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't. I'm not as I find it kind of you're too trusting. Ridiculous Charles. when no, but I just find it ridiculous when journalists come out and are like, oh, you know, bloody players coming out and just I wish I'd speak their minds and they're always so media yeah. trained and the coaches are so bloody, you know, and it's like, well, of course, they're not going to fucking come out and say exactly what they're thinking because no, no. they don't know exactly how things are going to go and you're not going to stitch yourself up by, you know, bagging, you know, your teammates or another one of your players or, you know, suggesting you're going to another club when you don't exactly know. I don't know why the, the media of all fucking organisations <laughs> who are like, you know, these you know, demanding honesty in, in the football industry, it's like, you guys yeah. fucking make shit up all the time. Like, Robbo <laughs> had no fucking idea how many players had tested positive to drugs at Collingwood. He just yeah, fucking I pulled he figure out of the yeah. air. Yeah, you know he did. I mean? He did. Okay. So, neighbours comes to you. <laughs> comes to, you, come to your yeah. manager with yeah. an offer. Yeah. Five-year deal. Yeah. Uh, every second week off. Yeah. And then, what's another show that come to you? Um, offspring, offspring, yeah, offspring. They come, five-year deal. It's all in the media. It's all the talk. Yeah. What, what are you going to pick? Which one? Uh, Home and away. Well, who's, who, who's closer to a logie? 
Uh, I think you'd be, but off, Offspring, <laughs> don't they get like the outstanding one? Don't they get like yeah. the... Um, yeah, I think uh, at this stage of my career, it would have to be uh, an, an upward nest. movement. There's no... Feather there's no, p- eh? Feather your nest. Neighbours has got a big deal. Yeah, yeah, I know. But, uh, there's, you know, the reason you act, Michael, is to win Logies. And uh, there's, no, <laughs> <laughs> there's no point but you in don't me know. moving tomorrow, laterally tomorrow or you backwards. Could, you could do a knee in the, do a knee in the, in the on, Alf on Steiner Bumbage. or whatever. And, yeah, you don't know that. <laughs> It's true. Uh, nothing, you know. There's no certainties in football, but uh, you know, look, I'm just really loyal to Home and Away. You know, um, you know, I, lo- I love, I love the boys. I, lo- I love Ben oh. at Home and Away, and um, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking to leave. You know, we, at the end of the year, we, you know, we'll we'll have a look at it. But uh, honestly, I, you know, I've got nothing to tell you. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just really happy. I'm a Home and Away actor, and uh, yeah, you know, just and, and, and taking that's what it I'm one wedding to. at a time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> one shooting at a time. Um, well, we can look at the uh, the first result from last weekend, which uh, uh, is kind of uh, eerie. Last week, you said that uh, Hawks needed a, a percentage boosting win, and by mm. God, did you fucking get it? Did you go to this game? <laughs> I did, I did, and I left at three quarter time because uh, it was really boring, dude. It was like boring. It was sad. What was your first uh, twenty seven thousand, which they said is the lowest uh, since nineteen ninety when yeah, they played right. at Princess Park. Um, which even back then was probably low because Essendon would have been yeah. on top, I think. And Hawthorne just yeah. won the flag. Yeah, Maybe it was really weird. raining or something. Yeah, Perfect yeah. conditions for football. 1990. Oh, probably Millie Vanilli were probably touring, so that probably dragged a fair few numbers away. From... That, that's a good point. Yeah, Collie yeah. was probably doing support. Uh, um, Teenage Minion Ninja Turtles are just open at the box yeah, office. It was massive. <laughs> it was a massive. It was a big hit. It was Dances with Wolves and that. Um, yeah. But they... Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I put it on our podcast this week that... Um, the Hawthorne fans were bored and the Essendon fans were sad. Like, it just was... Uh, there was no spirit to it. Um, the skills were really bad. It was just, like, really run in the mill. And there's no joy in it, too. No. Like, the sooner it, they can get the players back, the better. It was very... Uh, it, it seemed very perfunctory. I sort of had it on, but with the, the sound off, and there's absolutely nothing to keep my eyes on the television because it just... It just really seemed like well Hawthorne can score as much as they like. It was only, Hawthorne were only limited by their um, you know their inability to hit targets sometimes. <laughs> like, yeah. and then yeah. they sort of got their act together. But you know we sort of started this year by saying oh you know it's a good year to be an Essendon supporter because you know there's nothing on the line and you can just sort of mm. sit back and look at your look at your your rookies and your and your ring-ins and see who you want to keep for next year. But I'd say by this stage of the year this is where it's danger for the culture of a club. Like you know if they have more heavy losses like this then I reckon that could drive some people away mm, I mean I was talking yeah. to a mate of mine uh, on the weekend who's a Carlton supporter and no, he eh? no you weren't you're making this, that up no it's true Vaughan Kerr who's uh, we've name checked on this show before and he said that he has fallen out of love with the club the last decade has done so much damage like Mick Malthouse was kind of the sort that broke the camel's back he just feels like he can't get enthusiastic about because I was asking him about the Brendan Bolton thing and you know the six wins out of seven games and he said that he just sort of has not been just couldn't get get back into it this year he just sort of feels like you know it was so much bullshit for so long and then Malthouse was just uh the 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 rotting cherry on a shit cake (laughs) yeah yeah well I suppose they've got to they've got to show you a bit of love every now and then like they've got to you know, keep you keep you interested in it. 
you know. Uh, I suppose most teams kind of in a five-year period, five, six-year period will kind of do something good. They'll make the finals. They might win a couple of finals, whatever, keep people excited. But um, they need to, you know, they need to turn you on a little bit every now and then to kind of keep you, keep you engaged. Yeah. Um, you know, if Essendon's relationships with the supporters right now, it's like, I don't know, it's long distance and they're, they're texting like every two days. Well, what do you get, get the passion alive? Yeah, what do you get excited about now? Because it's not like, you know, they're not they don't have a raft of sort of young kids that you can get excited about. Like, you know, yeah. next year will be a, like a, a bad year as well to watch. So it's just hard to sort of maintain that enthusiasm. And yeah. uh, I don't. I wonder if it's like, like if you were a free agent, would you still would you want to go to Essendon? Would that be an attractive destination club? You reckon? That's a really good question. Um, it definitely, I mean, it will be stronger. They'll have a bit more result. They at least know what they're doing, I suppose. Um, yeah. And But, uh, it, I mean, the club's going to be on its knees for a bit longer by the fact that all the lawsuits that are going to be coming out in terms mm. of, you know, people in compensation. Like, they're going to be broke still for a long time. Does the Dyson Heppel thing confuse you a little bit? I suppose it's, again, what they can and can't say. Like, they're how they get... Unless they actually leave the place, they're how they're going to say, I hate the place. But they... It's very weird to be suing and yeah. playing at the same time. And I imagine a few more players will do that. Or have, maybe they have already. But, um, yeah, it's very strange. It'd be, it'd, be, it'd be weird for us to be having this conversation while I had you already filed, filed a summons or something to court. Yeah, like if I found out that, um, you know, you were suing me for defamation. Because you stole my premiership figurines. Well, no, you know, <laughs> for slander. Like, I, you know, I, I had a go at you in the first few episodes of, of this podcast. And I found out that, you know, you were suing me for slander for a million dollars. But you still liked coming on the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe you wouldn't have a problem with it. I guess that's the point. Dyson Heppel doesn't have a problem with it because it's a win-win for him. He well, gets yeah, paid. I mean- He'd have, he to, to he'd have to get the money, wouldn't he? Like, he'd have to but get I, well, the contract and also get the uh, reimbursement. But I wonder... Sorry, I'm trying to secretly eat a muffin because I've had a very long day and I'm starving. Uh, I wonder if there'll be some resentment from the club towards him. Oh, well, that would be the divide, won't there, too? Like, the players who aren't involved, you know, the Joe Danahers and stuff like that, and then this group comes back of, you know, 10 or 12. Yeah. It's like a... Yeah. It'd, be, it'd just be really, really strange atmosphere. Yeah, and Wilshire on top trying to keep it under control. It's funny. I was listening to um, Fox Footy the other day, and uh, this is off the topic a little bit. But they were talking about Tom Boyd at the Bulldogs because at the moment the Bulldogs are you know playing really well and they've covered their injuries great. And Tom Boyd's in the twos, and he's not really playing the kind of footy that sort of demands he gets back into the ones. You know, they're a good chance of actually playing finals, maybe even you know winning a premiership this year. So you're not going to flirt with your form and bring in a forward you need to develop. So how does that affect the dynamic of the change room when your million-dollar marquee player, like, yeah. you know, he's sitting next to Luke Dalehouse or, you know, yeah. Tom Liberatore, who are probably on half, not even half the money he's on. Isn't like he their how... highest-paid player? Yeah. 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 Huge money. I mean, they had to do it. Like, I don't, I don't begrudge the Bulldogs. They were, you know, in a desperate situation. They had to give their fans something to kind of cheer for. But now it's like... You know, if if he doesn't come on, or he comes on to a, uh, you know, like a Matthew Cruiser level or something like that, mm. you know, it's like, I don't know, does that create some kind of inequity? Like, don't all the good clubs like Hawthorne and Geelong, 
you know, you, you don't you get like a top bracket all around about on the same money. Well, I think if we've learned anything from the movie, well, the play, the club, when they bring in that high paid player and he wasn't performing very well, uh, John Howard. I think we, yeah, I think we all know what happens, and he turns to recreational marijuana use. So, tomboys have got to be very careful. <laughs> if you're playing football and just staring at the seagulls, look, yeah. we've seen it happen before. Sure, it was a fictional, fictional story. Yeah, and the captain of the captain of the team couldn't really cook, kick a football. Yeah, but it's 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 a stark warning to us all. Yeah, yeah. Thank God there were no hair tests back in 1978. Yes, yes. tomboy. I, we got to keep a watch on him, blazing up a doobie before he runs out, <laughs> <laughs> running off the um, field to get sausage rolls. <laughs> well, that's a, it. Actually, uh, uh, Tom Boyd brings us to the uh, what was probably the most exciting game of the round, which was uh, Bulldogs versus Port. Um, yeah. Maybe Port. I mean, we described them last week as uh, um, the cheating ex-boyfriend of the AFL because they just constantly let you down. But they're not playing too bad. They should have won, right? I mean, not that they should have. That the the, Bulldog, the the better the the team that won won. Oh, I don't know yeah, what the I fuck I'm you. saying. But that, in case we was watching or listening, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the Port aren't that bad. Like they're probably one of the best teams outside the eight now. Like now that West Coast are kind of uh, down the bottom in the, I think they're eighth on the ladder. You'd think that maybe Port or Melbourne would be a chance to sneak in. Well, yeah, I mean, and you'd probably put Port before Melbourne, wouldn't you? Just by the fact that they've uh, they've uh, seemed to kind of be a bit more. I guess you'd put Port there just for this the fact that they've actually played finals in the last you know three years, yeah. and Melbourne haven't. But um, uh, Melbourne are pretty exciting. Did you see much of this game? Uh, I saw a bit of the last quarter. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was... have you been to a game at Adelaide Oval? No, no. I think it'd be amazing. No. I don't think I've actually been to a game in Adelaide. I've never been to a football park or anything. Yeah, I'd love to go to one. I think it'd be amazing. Like, just to... Uh, the atmosphere there, it, it sounds incredible. Especially when the, the, if the home team's, you know, up and about. Everything I've heard from Victorians who have gone to attend games in Adelaide has been horrendous. Like, <laughs> it's like a horrible... But that was when it was football park. I don't know. Maybe it's a yeah. high... My higher class of uh, clientele. We have a lot of well, Adelaide they... listeners to this podcast, and I'm, I think some of them think that we have an issue with Adelaide. We don't. I love Adelaide. <laughs> I've spent a lot of time there. Yep. But um, anecdotally, just off what I've been told, you know, you don't, you know, you don't want to wear your scarf too proudly when you're at Adelaide Oval. Well, they were back in the early days of Football Park, and it was kind of this new revelation where if you had a Victorian number plate, your car would get keyed and stuff like that. Well, that's there yeah, I mean, that's reports in the. That was the, anec- the that's the anecdotal that. anecdotal evidence I was referring to earlier. Yeah, but and so it's this kind of a whole new world to us. We were going, what the hell? Like the 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 when the crows initially came in, and when they had they had the swans, obviously they had kind of that interstate um, thing. But when the crows came in, that 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 kind of passion it was kind of like, what the hell is going on? Like this whole yeah. entire entire stadium after a team. What's the deepest into enemy territory you've ever been? Like what ground? And not, not including uh, suburban, like I'm talking AFL era. I think I've only been to the SCG. I've been there a couple of no, times. No, that's not enemy territory. Fucking the no. SCG. The SCG, as a Victorian there, like you feel self-conscious because the way we were raised to barrack seems very uncouth to a Sydney yeah. Swan. They're a very polite, um, they're a very polite crowd. You know, they don't have the same, uh, rabid kind of reaction to the football that Victorians do. So I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't, I'm talking like, 
I don't know, like uh, like you know, Football Park or Subiaco or. No, I haven't ventured over there. I'm trying. No, I think I've been SCG about three or four times. But the, I, the, I, I did go to a particularly tense Hawthorne game because I went to the um, the final in '96, the elimination final. So I think Swans were first and we were eighth. And I, I seem to recall that was going to be that was going to be possibly our final game. So it was a particularly I, tense match, and also Dunstan went down with a knee, and so by the time they won by a goal or something, mm. like we were sitting there going. Like, that could be the final team, the final time we'd ever see our team play. Yeah. So that was rather emotional at the moment. I seem to recall uh, after that trip, you coming back to uni and complaining <laughs> that the crowd was doing the Macarena. Oh, Do you remember that? Question. Yeah, because the Swan mascot came out. Like, Because I said, how was it? What's footy like at the SCG? And you just shook your head and you're like, at halftime, <laughs> bloody Swan came out and led the crowd into the Macarena and they all did it. That's a well, bloody, that- that's bloody Sydney for you. If, well, if you if you remember that, I'll, I'll take your word for that. I, I, I don't remember that a great deal, but um, but I. Mike, how uh, can you tell us when the Macarena was popular? Was it around about ninety six? I remember. I think it was Jack Jones or something did pregame entertainment, and then Jack Tony Jones Lockett from the Southern his, uh, Suns. Yeah, yeah, and then um, yeah, right. There was big kind of question marks over Tony Lockett whether he'd play because he had a bum groin, and yeah. then when he did, that's run the year out, that the was, Swans made the grand final, right? To, yeah, and they lost to yeah. the North. And so when Lockett didn't run out, you were like going, oh, few, yeah, might be a chance here. And then yeah. Uh, it, was, yeah, it was very tense the entire day. Um, and then, um, but yeah, you were going, as they walked off the ground, you go, that could be the last time we've seen our, seen our team. So we, um, we, my brother and I were there and so we just chucked out a couple of Molotov cocktails and just made a name for ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> going to blaze well, like if we're going down, everyone's going down. <laughs> uh, Mike Hallers We're like the, Russian, the Russians at the, uh, at the Euro, getting on the yeah. English fans. Yeah. That was us. It was just two of us though. <laughs> just swinging baseball bats with nails in them. Mike Hallers uh, informed us that the Macarena came out in 94, so that would make sense that the Swans yeah. mascot is leading the crowd in <laughs> Yeah, in your story checks out. <laughs> Um, I mean, I imagine that's a unique enough story that I could, like, you couldn't have made that up. Like, I, even if I can't remember that, like, I hardly yeah. think that there was another person you were talking well, to about Sydney football and they brought well, up the Macarena. I'd never been to Sydney at that point, and uh, it, it it sort of I don't know what kind of impression you created for me with that anecdote, but I remember like it sort of it it, it, it put an idea in my head that um, Sydney. AFL supporters are a joke. <laughs> They're a yeah. joke. They don't take it seriously. <laughs> now I'd say, actually, I have a lot of um, uh, you know Sydney-born and bred people who are diehard Swans fans, and they are yeah. very, very passionate. It's frustrating because they don't have a sense of the history of the game, and mm-hmm. you know a lot of them sort of started following around the late nineties. They didn't really they they went in that Ron Barassi kind of shit era in the early nineties. They sort of came in around the Plugger era. And so they've only really known success and they, they do have a kind of lack of awareness of, I mean, I always have to remind people that my club's been around for over a hundred years and we've only yep. won one premiership and 27 wooden spoons. So you, just, you, you bring, don't bring that up the first time you meet anyone. Yeah, I do. You shake hands for the first time you bring it up and go, look, if I act strange, it's because <laughs> if I cry, it's on stage. Well, if you bring you up the gotta... idea of a, a cup or a trophy of some type. Well, um, you've got to understand that it's not fair. Like... <laughs> I have suffered. You have not suffered. And you've, Uh you know, I mean, we won't even talk about the premierships you've seen, but like, you know, Swan supporters in the last, what, they've seen two flags in the last decade? Like, that's not fair. 
That's not fair yeah, at yeah. all. And they would have been, I think over the last 20 years, they would have been in the finals a good 15 times, surely. But having said that, I do like the Swans. I mean, I, I, yeah. I do like, I did like, you know, what Paul Ruse established there and what John Long Meyer's gone on with. Um, you know, that kind of no dickheads policy. Although, I felt like it kind of shifted a bit when Buddy arrived. <laughs> I mean, I like Buddy. Yeah, that, but, that term has uh, kind of caught on though too, the no dickheads policy. Like, I've, yeah. like I've, I hear people saying that in relation to the workplace and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, I say it about you know, um, Home and Away all the time. There's a no dickheads yeah. policy there. Um, I think it's... That's uh, great. You're bringing on great. horses, you know, bruises, uh, you know, little policies. <laughs> so, you know, got to make sure you got to be... Do you, do you also have like an old guy? Who you sings the home? Do you stand in a circle after you film an episode? Yeah, yeah. No, after we film, uh, leads yeah. you in the after, home away theme. After a day's filming, we get in a big circle and we sing. Yep. Let me be the one that yeah. you turn to. And you're like flick Gatorade into Dudu's first episode. It was. Did yeah. You do that? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, Gatorade. <laughs> uh, the game that no one cared about: Frio versus Brisbane. Yeah. Saw the Dockers triumph uh, by about 80 points. Yeah. Uh, Ross is starting to play the kids. The big question mark was, does Ross Lyon know how to rebuild? It's like, for fuck's sake, like he's an AFL coach. It's mm. not rocket science, you know? Like People are like, oh, he can't rebuild, he can't rebuild. It's like, well, all he has to do is just play younger players, work out if those players can play, and if not, draft in players who can. Done. They also, well, well, they said that at St Kilda, that he... He couldn't rebuild it, but I kind of think he went. He went. I can't be bothered rebuilding. I'm yeah. going to get out. So what do you got out a year out a year after a year after your grand final? Yeah, 10, yeah, yeah, yeah. End of so end, end of 2011. 2011. Yeah, yeah. He got tapped on the shoulder. Big fat yeah. check. Yeah, from the the mining magnates. Yeah. And he well, went, when he well, went, I could. And he, when he went to Frio, when they were in a very similar position to when he took over St Kilda, you know, they had a good list. There's you know a few holes here and there, and. I mean, the thing is, I can't begrudge Ross Lyon, you know, his time at St Kilda because we almost... You can. You can do it. Do it. No. You can. Come on, no. Charlie. Find the darkness within. We almost won a flag. We almost won bloody two flags. We could have been back-to-back premiers, you know, and then no. we were shot. Like, we were mentally shot. And there's no way... If he'd stuck around, that rebuild would have taken... You know, he could have maybe got us a year or two ahead of the rebuild that Richardson's on now. But, you know, he if you have someone offering you five years with a team that can play finals, like he made the right decision. He got Frio into a grand final two years later. So yeah, I don't think that's a case of he can't do it. It's just that, you know, he's just had the opportunity twice to take ready-made teams. So I think he'll be fine. I think he's just too smart a, a, a guy to... um, Because oh, people sort of complain that his time at St Kilda, like... The entire time is at St Kilda, none of the players that came in through the draft were at the club anymore. I think Jack Stephen is maybe the only player we still have, or Jaron Geary, or one of those guys. But um, he didn't need to. We had a really strong senior list, and then you know we probably our bottom five players probably weren't that great. But that's okay. Like you know that his whole game plan was built around role players, and you get your five or six superstars. Yeah, role players what you and dragon laugh- masters. What are you laughing at? Role players and Dragon Masters. What's that? It was the whole thing. Ah, oh, it was a Dungeons and Dragons reference. Role players. You fucking role nerd. players. Role players and improvisers. And shut did up. Did you Move play on. Dungeons and Dragons? No, 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 no. I wouldn't know how. Well, you Why obviously know like a that? bit about Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> you just fucking reeled off a bunch of terms. 
Have we got no, a nerd on our podcast? <laughs> I know a few terms, but I haven't. No, I haven't played it. I don't know how to do that. Um, have you seen uh, Lucky Weller for Frio? Younger brother of Maverick. I don't think I have. No. Very handsome. Very handsome man. That's all I oh. say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's a lot of hot tail in the AFL. We can't deny that, you know. Uh, no, but he's he, he's particularly handsome. Like I think, really? remember when they used to do those men men for all seasons AFL calendars? Yeah, they picked yep. the hunkiest dude from each club, and you know, mm. uh, try not to photograph their face too closely. Yeah, he, like uh, Crawford and Cooter. Yeah, and Crawford, like uh, Cooter, Wayne yeah. Carey. Who'd they get from St Kilda? Oh, I can't remember. I think our best uh, look. Who was who was the Hawks' best looking player through the nineties? Croft, right? It would have been Croft because he had the the blonde Pretty locks boy. and the like. Yeah, he would have been the, and I mean, I well, Ben Dixon's one as well. He still Ben, ben of, Dixon, uh, boundary rider ben, ben Dixon. Ben Dixon, yeah, yeah. Really? Oh, dude, we did filming with him once on a sketch show yeah. years and years ago, and there were it was kind of like post game interview. Yeah. There was about five makeup ladies on their hands and knees, kind of Whoa. painting. Painting mud on him, like he was in like kind of a football gear. The big yeah. muscles were showing, and they were like, and we were we were all standing there going, going uh, <laughs> "We get help!" <laughs> like, uh, fuck up later. <laughs> and they were just like, just just brushing him, brushing the dirt onto him. They loved him. I rem- there was a uh, back in the late eighties, early nineties. We had David Grant, who was a pretty boy. He was like a, a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Tasmanian, and Damien Kitschke, who was like a shit ruckman. But they would trot him out whenever we had like a publicity event. Like I remember at one stage, El McPherson was our number one ticket oh, holder, yeah. and they trotted out David Grant and Damien Kitschke to like you know kiss her on the cheek or something like that. They were always our go-to hunks. But I can't think of any hunks we've had since then. Michael Roberts. Oh yeah, but he that was, was a before. Sale yeah, he, he, he became a fucking model. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Who's the hunkiest guy in the AFL? Who's the one that who gets voted hunkiest? Who would regularly win? Yeah, I'm sure there's a list. Um, I mean, it's got to be some... Sean Dempster, actually. Sean Dempster gets the girls hot and bothered. Okay. Uh, at um, St Kilda. Trying to think of... Well, they talk about Hodgie. They say men want to have a beer with him, women want to fuck him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't look at me like that. That's a common phrase they say about him. Okay, uh, sure. Who's the, who's the dreamboat of the AFL? Um... <laughs> trying to think oh people would go mad for uh uh was a frio player then a north player oh it was blonde kind of in the 2000s um oh oh yeah um spencer no um yeah fuck what's I mean, his name uh, yeah. jesse jesse sinclair jesse someone jesse, jesse sinclair, sinclair i think yeah i think it might be yeah. right yeah like oh, tony madra tony madra was the biggest oh, dream of, of them all. Yes. Yeah. yeah but women would scream when um Sinclair would get the ball. Yeah, right. Mm. He was like the one-man Beatles. Yeah, definitely. Definitely like a teenage girl screaming. Just so would, girls um, screaming too. Oh, uh, you know what? There's actually a, sci- there's a scientific uh, uh, a reason behind it. Yep. I actually read something online about it. They actually think that girls, uh, girls getting hysterical when they see like, you know, Justin Bieber or something. It's actually a highly evolved way of them... Um, uh, regulating their emotions to get back to a more stable level sooner because they're sort of at this hysterical like hyper state so the actual crying and screaming lets that adrenaline out and allows them to calm much faster 
So it's uh-huh. actually it's actually a healthy reaction to hysteria is to scream yep. and cry and stuff because the body actually gets back to a, 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 a more even um, uh, level. And yeah. the, uh, oh, here we go. This is Mike Heller's bringing up the five hottest guys in the AFL according <laughs> to News. Off the top of your head. Yeah. Lockie Weller. I told you, Lockie Weller comes in. I don't know if it's ranked. Um, second they on the list. <laughs> what? They should do this at like the Hall of Fame. Like hand out like the, you know there should be like Sean Hansen of course wing. Megan Gale's husband he would have to be a looker. Yeah. They should like a Hall of Fame have like the hot guy wing and so you're getting ducked into the hottie wing. Yeah, he'd be a very good player. So Andrew Swallow. Oh, Andrew Swallow, beautiful man. Is he the Gold beautiful, Coast beautiful man. one or the North yeah, one? Beautiful. Um. Either way, no, it's, <laughs> uh, isn't Andrew North? Isn't Andrew North? But they're two brothers. Two brothers yeah. who would oh, make any North. lady happy. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, Alex Rance. Rance. Oh, nah, that's nice bullshit. guy too. That, that's the Mormon nice, vote. Nice little religious dude. He'll just hold your hand walking through the park. No trouble. He won't be he won't be looking over his shoulder at another lady. And Sean Dempster, told you. Ah, he's got, there you go. He's got the, <laughs> he's got it's the gun it's the gun show. It's the gun show when Dempster's in town. Yeah. Uh, Geelong defeated North Melbourne by what's that fucking something? Twenty nine points, thirty nine points? Twenty nine points. Yeah. Um this is the, you know, we've been saying it for a while, like North, mm. no one was convinced uh, that they, they were a real uh, premiership threat. That forward line, uh, Jared Wright hasn't kicked a goal in three weeks. Well, they've this... come up against, well, they've come up against the, the, the top two teams and they've lost yeah. those ones. And um, I mean, they got Hawthorne this weekend, so that'd be interesting to see what happens there. Danger Mouse picked up a lazy 48 touches. Yeah, dude, that's amazing. I some people have cracked 50, haven't they? Um, that's Greg Williams' figures. Mike Hal, can you look up the record for possessions in AFL? Yeah. Most amount of touches, please. Um, but, uh, 48, that's incredible. 48, and like something at like 80% efficiency. So essentially, yeah. it was like having an extra player out there. Yeah, playing in a back pocket too, and he, 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 went, he went off for a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> Did, does back pocket the position still exist? <sighs> That's a good question. I don't really Fifty-three think is do. the uh, is the record for possessions in a game. Because I mean, it used to be the uh, the the resting rover would go down to the forward pocket. Yeah. So you'd have well, a or, back or, or the there. rover who's lost a yard or two. The guy well, yeah, who's gone, yeah. been drafted by St Kilda, ex Carlton midfielder. <laughs> yeah, a small forward in the in the forward pocket. But yeah, no, I think I don't think they really do. Because I mean, when you look up when they um the balls bounce, most of them are all hovering around the. Uh, well, what I think, what I think it is now is it's about matchups. It's not so much mm-hmm. about back pockets. It's about tall, a, a tall forward gets a, a tall defender, small forward gets a small defender. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, in my playing days, was pretty much a regular fixture in the back pocket, and I think yeah. it was because you, the back pocket was where you put your least skilled, most enthusiastic player. <laughs> 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 nuggety, nuggety, Charles. A dower. I, I was a dower yeah. left footer. Yeah, you're a journeyman. <laughs> I remember there was a uh, when we were in grade six or something. Um, our coach went away for a week, and so someone came in as a caretaker coach, and he'd written down um, next to each of us like a little description for the for the caretaker, so he knew you know what he was getting, and it was like you know. Uh, Chamberlain, you know, flashy left foot, half forward, and it got to me, and it was old-fashioned defender. 
really? Yeah. So what does that fucking mean? I have a smoke at half time. Yeah, you're wearing a um a tie up Guernsey. Yeah. yeah. A cap. That's right. I'm playing with a cap. <laughs> yeah. You got you had to leave at half time because you got recruited by the army. Had to go to war. Yeah. Yeah. I got gout at the age of seventeen. <laughs> I find uh, that. That's, uh, how did how did you you see that sheet? because uh, he had it on his clipboard, and I think he just you know he was he was doing shoulder. something, and so I just looked yeah, over his sure. shoulder and to see what he had yeah. written. It's like you'd want to awesome. keep that hidden. Old fashioned defender. <laughs> that's yeah, me, all right. That's great. I knew that's I shouldn't great. have had that curly mustache. <laughs> did you venture forward much though? Um, yeah, when, when, you I got... when you weren't busy uh, smoking a pipe and uh, chewing tobacco. <laughs> I, when I got a bit old, when we got to like under 14s, I started spending a bit more time in the midfield. I sort of graduated from a back pocket to a tagger, really. I got, uh, I, when we, when sort of football got a bit more serious at high school, I would get tagging roles a lot and I could, I could hurt you. I could hurt you going the other way. I snagged oh, really? a couple. Yeah. yeah I was a bit, if I had to describe myself as a type of player, I was kind of like, I was like a Ryan Crowley. That was a uh-huh. gun. I wasn't as nasty as him, yeah. but fuck, You're I was annoying. Dying. Oh yeah, that's right. But I was I was annoying. Like I remember, uh, I would get in people's ears. I'd talk. I mean, I talk all the time anyway. But on the field, I get white line fever. I talk even more. And there was one game because uh, at our school, um, you know, if you played in the seconds, sometimes which I did, I never was good enough to play first. You could tell who the firsts were on the opposition because they would have numbers on their backs. And so ah, yes. I was sent out Little onto trick. a wing to tag, you know, a guy from Geelong Grammar who was obviously like, you know, a first player because he had a number on his back. And so I was into him and bumping him and talking shit and stuff. And he quite politely said to me, mate, if you don't fucking stop that, you'll be sorry. And I was like, yeah, whatever, mate. Blah, blah, blah. And uh, anyway, the ball comes out in the wing. I grab it. I think I'm in the clear. So I'm having a couple of bounces. And then I just hear like, you're hot, you're hot. And I turn around and this guy just collects me in this tackle and carries me through the air. And when I hit the ground, like one bum cheek stays on the ground and the other bum cheek stretches all the way out there. The ball spills free. This guy picks it up, danger field like, and then just, you know, bolts it down and kicks a goal. So as they're resetting to bounce the ball, I'm still lying on the ground trying to hold my ass cheeks together. Graham Sharp, our coach, was like, you all right, Charlie? I'm like, oh, oh. I honestly thought I had sprained my anus. Yeah. No, you're, you're out the next week because it said in the paper. It said, Clawson, <laughs> torn anus. <laughs> Two weeks. I only thought of this last night, but uh, not last night, sometime. But um, I remember playing in, in the final year at school, and um, uh, I got a knock kind of on my chin, and I bit my tongue, but like bit it quite, quite badly, mm. and it was kind of bleeding, and it was, but it was kind of like you can't really do much about your your tongue, like it's just this kind of weird little wound that kind of has to heal over time. But it rules out anything kind of salty or. Like, it makes all your eating very difficult and stuff like that in terms of, like, you know, the pain. Mm. But if I, still, I haven't thought about it, but it's just a very weird injury. It would have been was Chamberlain. That, out, was tongue. That, yeah. <laughs> Three weeks. There's a lot, a lot of very disappointed ladies out there. <laughs> it was a dark day of Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> and a fair few priests. Uh, Adelaide, Adelaide fucking shook up the AFL landscape by defeating yep. the Eagles at the main stadium. It's funny. I feel like sometimes, like if you read, if you, you know, uh, f- get into the footy media during the week, there's a lot of kind of um, follow the leader. Like someone just has an opinion. And I find myself just adopting that opinion because yeah. it's, you know, it's everything I listen to. And I was definitely parroting the thing of West Coast don't lose at home. West Coast don't lose at home. 
Yeah. And then a team comes and beats them at home. I'm like, oh yeah, right, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I just bought into that myth that West Coast you can't you can't beat them at Domain Stadium. But uh, that was a fucking great win. They were down by like four goals. Yeah, um, they they, were, they seemed really heartbroken, but too like Adam Simpson's kind of like almost like a bit shell shocked that it actually happened, and he kind of you know demanding a better effort this week. But they mm. I think they were a goal up at three quarter time, and then I think Adelaide kicked about five yeah. to win it. But um. Yeah, I just thought they kind of, isn't that a tad overblown? Kind of how heartbroken they all were. Um, uh, I know. I think, I think it makes sense. Like if you know, every club wants their ground to be their fortress. You mm. know what I mean? Especially if you're an interstate team, like you don't want to lose at home. Um, but I think what it's really done is kind of make you think, shit. Like maybe because the Eagles, the question about the Eagles prior to that game was, oh, can they win on the road? And it yeah. wasn't just that they were losing on the road. They were actually getting smashed. Like, there's a lot of games they played away from Perth where they were getting smashed. And now that they've lost at home, you sort of look back at those losses and go, shit, like, maybe they weren't as good as, you know, we've, we've been thinking. They had some big wins yeah. at home. But I don't know, man. Maybe they are... Because Will and I were talking about, you know, who, is, who are the bigger flat-track bullies, Port or, or West Coast? Uh, yeah. But maybe it's, maybe it's West Coast. Well, you'd find it difficult to picture them making a grand final again this year, wouldn't you? Yes. Yeah, yeah. no, definitely but I, not. But, but I also, I think I'm reading, I think, I think it, for Adelaide and I think the Eagles as well, the draw opens up for them now too. And they've got a pretty yeah. good run home. The Eagles so do. They might be able to, yeah, I think both of them, so they might be able to pinch some uh, easier wins. Do you think Adelaide could make the grand final? I reckon it's Geelong and Sydney at this stage. Yeah, but do you think it's possible? Well, all things in life are possible. We put a man on. Oh, shut up, dickhead! <laughs> but uh, I, I reckon, I reckon Geelong and the uh, Geelong and Sydney, Sydney. Are, are well ahead of people. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think Adelaide. I mean, I was surprised to see that Adelaide are only seventh. But I guess about a month back, they had a pretty bad run where they, where they lost, dropped a few games. Yeah. But they look really good. Their forward line. I thought West Coast had the best forward line going around, but I think Adelaide do now. I mean, Jenkins and. Eddie yeah. Betts and Tex. And, yeah. and I mean, I, you hear that Brisbane are uh, 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 preparing the war chest to throw ah. at Josh Jenkins. He'd be fucking crazy to leave, wouldn't he? I mean, he's I the think th- that war chest is. He's their third forward, so he gets the third best mm. defender, so he just gets to fucking armchair ride, and he'll still get a lot of money. Like, Adelaide yeah. won't, won't underpay him, but, yeah. I mean... I, I just wouldn't go to Brisbane for anything at this stage. I think, I mean, he's a monster of a man. I think he's a tad older than you all kind of realise. I think he might be, I could be talking off my head, but I think he's about 26 or 27. Yeah, so right. a bit older than, so if he wants to maybe eke out, you know, uh, get that fat paycheck that you're going to get from neighbours one day, like um, <laughs> uh, he might have, but, but I, yeah, it'd be a big call to go to Brisbane. You can't really see, you see what they're going to do in the next few years. No, if he wants to play finals or in a premiership, then he needs to stay put. But the thing is, he could also sign three years at Adelaide, see how that goes. And like you said, if he's 29 in three years' time and then, Mm. you know, his form's good and he wants to cash out, then just fucking go to the Gold Coast or whatever. Or Or we might have a team in Tasmania. Yeah, (laughs) have a team in Tasmania or over in um, Auckland or something by then, you know. Yeah. uh, China. I, I mean, they're moving into China. Well, Port are. Apparently, did you hear that Port game they showed two weeks ago got four million viewers? No way. Four million. Like, That's amazing. 
It's amazing, and that would that would just be be fucking curious people. Like that's not, I doubt that there's like hardcore expats or anything like that. That's just, but four million. If you can tap into that, holy shit! Yeah, I can't imagine there'd be four million Australians over in China. No, because that'd be a bit of a, quite the brain drain from here. But um, uh, four million would roughly make it the highest rated show. On TV in Australia, for Australia this year. Well, yeah, yeah I don't like think the grand I think, origin was more. But I like, think the grand final struggles to crack three. Doesn't the grand final normally get about two and a half? Yeah, I think usually the state one of the state of origins is usually like the biggest of the year. Yeah, um, but, which is uh, insane because AFL uh, appeals to more states. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, I guess it's because state of origin is the one NRL game that even non NRL fans will watch. Yeah, and. Would you be watching the grand final more at a mate's place than you'd be watching a state of origin at a mate's place? Uh, yeah. I just think in terms of like little ratings. Barbecues. Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Because it's not, it's not on a weekend state of origin. It's normally midweek. Mm. So you're probably yeah. going to be staying home. Yeah. 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 Queenslander. Queenslander. What's that? Queenslander. That's what they say. Mm-hmm. Queensland, uh, they chant Do they? Do they? What do you... Yeah, didn't you know that? No, no, yeah. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, on Sunday, the mighty Saints triumphed over the Blues, who uh, looked a bit fatigued, to be honest. Uh, you know, I think six out, of, six out of seven wins probably had them on the back foot. Good thing for us is that we had no Revolt, no Fisher, no Dempster, no McCartan. Mm. Um, Jackie Stephen was acting captain. Fuck, he's a good player. He's really big. He's actually. Uh, I had some doubts over him a couple of years ago. I just thought he might be a B plus, but just to have that burst of speed, you need that line breaking midfielder. We need a few more of them, to be honest. But um, so he would he? A great game. Would he be your captain replacement? I don't think so. The the thing of mm. the 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 vibe on Jack Stephen is that he's pretty shy, a bit like um, you know Rob Harvey. He didn't. Act, they, he actually had to be forced into the leadership group this year. He didn't want to be in the leadership group. But because he's our best player, you know, the other leaders said, you know, you should, you know, you should be in the leadership group because the younger players will look up to you for what you do in the field. But, yeah. you know, he doesn't really like talking in front of the camera and all that kind of stuff. I would say our next captain is most likely David Armitage or Jack Nunes. Mm-hmm. They kind of are more the, you know, they seem to have that kind of... Uh, Leadership and and they're comfortable in front of a camera and um, you know the clean cut sort of thing. You know, Jackie Stevens is still a bit cheeky. You know, he's he's a guy who got done for drink driving a few years ago and mm-hmm. over in New Zealand. You know, the sleeping pills with the red wine and all that kind of stuff. So um, you know that stuff's behind him. But you know, he's still got a bit of that cheeky. I don't know if you know Michael, but he's from Lawn. Uh, Brian Taylor ever told you that? I haven't picked up on that. I must say. Yeah, is he like is he like Jared Ruffhead and has a basketball background, or um, Luke Bruce who comes from rugby league? Yeah. <laughs> Whenever yeah. Luke Bruce tackles someone, they, they within an instant they bring up that he played rugby. Yeah, yeah, they do that with uh, they do that with David Armitage as well. Uh, but yeah, he's from Lawn, and Brian Taylor loves talking about he's from you know runs running that way down the Great Ocean Road. He's a he's uh, all yeah, the way gotcha. from Lawn. Um, Getting but I don't on think the trampolines. He might be captain. I don't know. I mean, he's twenty six. He's won two best and fairest. He'll probably win a third one this year. So it's that thing, isn't it? Like, is your best player necessarily a captain? Or is it the guy, you know, who inspires the most? We've been pretty lucky in the last 10 years with, you know, we've had like a Lenny Hayes and a Luke Ball and a Nick Revolt yeah. to choose from. Yeah. But um, there's no outstanding candidates 
out of this current group. I think in the future, and look, I'm just totally guessing, but Paddy McCartan looks like the kind of bloke. In fact, that was the sort of the write-up on Paddy McCartan when uh, the Saints were choosing between Petrarca and McCartan to take with their number one pick. The knock on Petrarca is is his bit of a, a larrikin, whereas yeah. Paddy McCartan is considered like he's a leader and he's you know he's a good bloke and you know he's reliable. He's that kind of you know dude you can you can you can build a club around. It reminds me of that song. You say Petrarca, I say <laughs> McCartan. <laughs> Petrarca, <laughs> McCartan. <laughs> I think you captains you need leadership. You need leadership, but also they got to be kind of the, in the top the top ten players. So they're not playing twos. So how do you explain Richard, think, Vander, Richard Vandenberg? Well, he might have got a, a couple of nods for being captain, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but also by the end, but by, by the end of his career, kind of it, it's, it had kind of passed him by. Like if if, if he played an 08, there'd be question marks over where he actually would have got a game. So that's when he kind of leap out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your captain doesn't have to be your best player, hmm. but I think your captain has to be your captain has to be the the person who leads by example, I think. And not just on the field, but in terms of the way they conduct themselves, the way they speak to the media. Like, it's very rare that you get a captain, you know, busted for drink drive. Well, fucking Luke Hodge. <laughs> what am I talking uh, about? But, but he's Luke Hodge. Yeah. You make they're an exception for Luke Hodge. Pretty well spoken and stuff like that. And it's also a big, big job, because I'm sure they add on a lot of stuff that you have to do for sponsors and um, charities and stuff like that. Which Well, uh, they asked they ask Nick Matt. They asked Nick Maxwell about it today. They were like, um, you know, should Nick Revolt step aside next year? Because Revolt's just signed on for one more year. Yeah. And Nick Maxwell said, yes, if there is someone better at doing what he does, which is not just, you know, what he does on the field, but, you know, can he go and talk to sponsors? Can he talk to younger players who need a bit of a kind of rev up? You know, can he discipline mm-hmm. someone who needs that? And there's a lot of things you have to consider. Like, it's not just one aspect of the job and I mean from what I've seen uh, when they do uh, sounds what is it sounds of the game or sounds of the you know when they mic a player up oh yeah yeah like they had um, Goddard on Friday night yeah Garmy nose is fucking broken fucking <laughs> bleeding <laughs> everywhere <laughs> oh, I wasn't quite that but uh, no he, bro- he broke his nose literally in the first bounce and, yeah, uh, right. and, and they said the, the blood was pouring out everywhere and they took ages to stop it it was just coming out everywhere yeah, that's disgusting. Uh, yeah, they often um, they've mic'd up David Armitage a couple of times. I've noticed, and he and he's that kind of dude who's out there just kind of you know directing directing traffic and you know encouraging players and telling them what to do. And like he, he's kind of he sort of has that quality, and he's also like an inside midfielder like Lenny Hayes was. So you know you know when it's a line ball, he's going to throw himself headfirst into a pack and do you know that inspirational thing that you need a captain to do. Yeah, and maybe you just need need a rewalt where the club is at the minute. You know, just for another year, groom yeah. someone over next year, and then. Um, I mean, you know, I don't think it, I don't think it's Nick. a thing with I don't think it's a thing with Revolt that the the captaincy sits heavy on his head. Like I don't think he struggles with it, and you know, if you take it away from him, his football will improve. I think he thrives on, you know, pressure, and he thrives on kind of all those challenges. But um, you know, maybe for the development of the club. I mean, what that's I was really surprised actually out of that game. You know, when we to sort of see the way. Tim Membry, who is, you know, only this year become our third forward. But he really uh, was, was moving into the space that we'd normally keep reserved for, for, for Revolt oh, yeah. or McCartan or whatever. And it's kind of funny. Like, I remember when Rob Harvey 
retired. I'm like, fuck, like, you know, Harves has been such a fixture in that midfield. Like, how are we going to cover him? And But then, like, you've got these players who have just been fucking dying for the opportunity to be the main man. Like, you know, if you are a guy who's only playing your 20th game or whatever and your captain fucking calls you out of a marking contest, you're, gonna, you're yeah. not going to go for it. Yeah. Um, so I think sometimes those enforced changes and they'll allow you to unearth, like, well, who's going to be the next guy that you can go to? Mm-hmm. And have you ever looked through Nick Rewald's um, Instagram? No, does he have Instagram? Yeah, he's got a great life. He's got a really great life. He's got his little 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 um, bub boy, and um, yeah. and then you know during the off season heads off to, uh, to the ranch in Texas. Yeah, a bit of football, doing a bit of barbe- barbecuing. It's amazing. Yeah, get onto it. I, it's, he takes a nice photo. Does he really? Yeah, we've got a beautiful, beautiful kind of suburban life. Him yeah, uh, I feel a bit weird, but I'll, yeah, I'll do it. I'll check it out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Richmond um, just got over the line against uh, Gold Coast. Well, not I mean they got over the line, but it was a very close yeah. match. Uh, Gold Coast were leading into the into the last quarter. It felt very Richmondy. It felt like something yes. Richmondy was going to happen. Um, yes, of all the then, teams for them to lose to, I thought, yeah, it's going to be the Gold Coast, and they 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 were, I think, about a goal down with about five minutes to go, and then kick kind of three in a row, and uh, it got yeah. pretty easily in the end. Uh, but it was tr- almost tr- almost humorous. Yeah, Trent Cotchen uh, and, and, and Dustin Martin really got them across the line. Uh, Dustin Martin. Now, I'm scared to make jokes about him. <laughs> <laughs> he's been deported to New Zealand, so we can talk about it. <laughs> uh, he's a fucking good player, though. It's mm. it's funny. He, uh, I kind of forget. I always just, just I always think of Dustin Martin as just being kind of like a bull, just like a you know physical inside player. But his skills are so good. He was doing all these fucking like little short passes and look away handballs and stuff. I mean, I guess if he if he can sort of keep developing that side of his game, and it looks like he's he can run really well now. Like I sort of I seem to remember him being more of a kind of impact player where he would come into a game for like a ten minute burst and you know kick a few goals and whatever, but then sort of go missing. But that was like a complete performance. Mm. Um, I would love it if he won a Brownlow, just to kind of see him on stage with those neck tats, you know, putting the Brownlow around <laughs> his neck. <laughs> I mean, we thought it was interesting when Swanee, Swanee won one. He's probably he's pretty much entirely covered now. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, Dustin with the uh, cheeky. Would he be, he'd be the first, first person with neck tats to win a Brownlow, surely. Did, did Swanee not have a neck tat? Did they go up to, up to his neck this much? I don't know. I don't know. I get yeah. confused. Like you said, they keep yeah. changing every time you see him. There's a great photo. I never photo. been a bit shocked when Kevin Murray won the Brownlow years ago. He had his, his, his uh, tattoos as well. That would have been like quite the... Uh, quite the, oh, quite oh the scandal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there's a great photo from that game with uh, Dusty giving Gary Ablett the don't argue. Oh, really? Have you seen it? It's brilliant. It was no. on the AFL website, and it's just like, you know, Gary with his head thrown back, dusty hand, you know, hands planted firmly in his chest. Um, who, but, who do you reckon came up with the term don't argue? Because it definitely wasn't around in the 90s. Oh, uh, it was a Italian guy, Don Argue. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Actually, maybe he's French. Some people pushing in the street. Oh, he kind of, from the accent, he's probably travelled, maybe studied in a different Please countries. do not do this. I'm Don Aguirre. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm sure it was probably like a BT with someone do it like that would try and claim it. But, um, no, I but, think yeah, Don Aguirre. Uh, hey, Mike Hal, is, is, does the Don Aguirre exist in the NFL? It's like a fend-off. Do you, do you say the Don Aguirre in the NFL? No, all right. Okay. Maybe mm. it is a BT saying. Yeah. 
No, no, I think Don Don argue. I think that works out. Yeah. <laughs> Don argue. We'll, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Um, so Richmond, what do they do now? Like, what are they doing? They're not going to make the finals. So is it worth them winning these kind of games? Should they be going for a draft pick? What do you reckon? If you were Dimmer, what's your what's your plan going forward? Uh, first, I'd uh, I would have held out and maybe tried to go to another club. But, <laughs> um, but no way. Um, well, I think that in the back of their head, I mean, they do have that history from two years ago, whatever, when they were three and nine or whatever, then came back and made the final. So I don't think you can throw on the towel. And also, I don't think I don't think their supporters could kind of deal with them falling down the ladder again. You know, I think yeah. that. The talk of draft picks, I think they're, you know, what's the difference between the fifth pick and the eighth pick? You know, is that really going to change your entire club? I guess not. Uh, yeah, but someone actually on Twitter sent me a little uh, infographic, yeah. which basically it broke down um, the teams that are sort of still in the finals race and just outside of the eight and what the percentages are for them to play finals uh, or finish top four or win a premiership. So basically... Yeah, that's like a champion data thing or something, isn't it? Oh, is it? Yeah. And I so basically, like, like, for instance, at the top, GWS have a 99% chance of playing finals, 71% chance of finishing top four, uh, 41% chance of finishing top two, and a 21% chance of being premiers. Um, your boys, Hawthorne, have a 94% chance of playing finals, 44% chance of being top four, 19% chance of top two, and 9% chance of the finals. Then right down the bottom, Richmond have a 1% chance of playing finals. So that's like the lowest mathematical statistic for them to play finals, which means to me they'll play finals. Look, all I'm hearing, Charles, is that uh, 1%, that means there's a chance. There is a chance. If it was zero, then I'd be write them off. But that 1%, that's got me over the line. I'm predicting Richmond top eight this year. Yeah, that's my My, my, of the week. (laughs) That's my shoe-in of the week. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the next game uh, was a fucking corker, GWS yeah. taking on Sydney. I say it was a corker, not for the actual game, but for, for the, the guy dude who won 100,000 yeah. bucks in three quarter time. That was, that was awesome. Amazing. That was so cool. 100 grand just for kicking a ball in. And it, like, it, like it, it wasn't an impossible kick. Like That's what I quite liked about it. That it uh, yeah. You know those competitions that they often say, okay, you'll get a million dollars if you can kick the ball the full length of the ground. Yeah. And this one was just a good old-fashioned, bit of accuracy, decent distance, and he gets 100 grand pocketed. It's amazing. And apparently he's uh, never played AFL. He used to back for the Swans. He's just a a guy from New South Wales who's switched over to the Giants. Mm. He's got a bloody supporter for life now. I imagine... Do you see the footage of the umpires? Yes. Yeah. Razor Ray. <laughs> fucking celebrating so like he like, won it. The kind of eight umpires or so gathered in the uh, in the middle of the ground and he puts the ball in, every single one of them puts their arms up and cheers, and then Razor Ray does a little kind of victory run. <laughs> it's running around. Like an eight year old. It was sugar. almost like it was it was adorable. Like watching them yeah. all kind of jump up and down. It was pretty funny. Uh GWS fucking continued to terrify me. I mean, this yeah. is how well they're playing and we're not even not even considering the fact that they've got a bunch of dudes in the knee full who are racking up record possessions and, uh, you know, goals, uh, plus the fucking academy, three academy picks they have next year, plus the yep. fucking uh, first-round draft pick that they've got from a, another club. Who is it? Someone yep. that they uh, got a, uh, from Collingwood. Yep. They've got Collingwood's first-round draft pick. 
they get the firstborn son of all virgin mothers. Like it's uh, it's really interesting. It's like yeah, you've got to paint lamb's blood above your door to avoid yeah. Passover. <laughs> the GWS Passover. Uh, yeah, Kevin. Kevin Sheedy just wanders around, <laughs> grabs babies out of cribs, <laughs> goes, ah, it serves you right, takes them over the spot list. Now, <laughs> we were easy as our own. <laughs> you uh, earlier said it's going to be Geelong Swans Grand Final. That was your shoe-in yeah. <laughs> of yeah. the week. But losing Tippett hurts, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. How long has he gone for? Six weeks. Yeah, it's a fair while. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. But... um. I mean, gee, I mean, yeah, I just think they're the top two teams in the minute. But I, but also maybe part of that is also um, the Giants having not been to finals yet. Yeah. Well, that's going to freak them out. Yeah. I don't look, yeah. I, I don't know if, if GWS will go all the way, but I think for Sydney it gets a, a lot more difficult now. I mean, injuries affect everyone, but um, mm. watch because I watched that on replay knowing that he'd gotten injured and it was – you would have thought it was scripted the way because they were talking tip it up so much in that first half. Like he's playing oh, yeah. the season of his life and his numbers yeah. are through the roof and nothing could possibly go wrong. <laughs> yeah. tip it. He's strung as an ox, particularly in the knee area. <laughs> yeah. His hamstring has never come off. Um, it's a bit like when you watch Titanic and there's all these scenes where people are like, this oh. boat will never sink. Yeah. We're, we will live forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm uh, impervious to drowning. <laughs> So that was the first time I think GWS have beaten uh, Sydney at Spotless Stadium, and there was a crowd of over twenty thousand there, Michael. Yeah, which no, is only seven thousand less than was at your game on Friday night. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and they talk about maybe um, if they do make the finals that they're against a big team, they might have to go and play at ANZ. And their boss came out, the chairman or whatever came out and said, "We'd rather play it at fucking Alice Springs." Um, yeah, what was that all about? I saw that quote, but out of context, I had no idea what he meant. Oh, it just meant that they, 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 they're really desperate to play a home final. But I suppose, I don't know, I suppose it's like when a home team might be at Etihad, but the game, game's going to get 85,000 people, so you move it to the MCG. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they might say, if, if, if maybe if they play against the Swans, or they might play against, I don't know, uh, I don't know, Geelong or something, maybe? Then move it yeah. to um, ANZ, yeah. Yeah, I uh, we talked about this last week, but... ANZ is not a great place to watch football, and especially not a final. Like there's, there's very little, very little you can do at that ground to create atmosphere. It just it's like mm. it evaporates. I don't know through this through the open air or something like they that. They are apparently putting a roof on it though, so that are might they? help. Yeah, they're doing a big rebuild on it. You think it'll like trap in the energy? <laughs> well, yeah, I can't just trap in the noise, but they're like moving. They're moving the seats around, you know, so you can form it to you know sit around a soccer field or whatever and bring people closer in that would help um, actually because you do feel very far from the ground when you're at ANZ yeah. like yeah. you don't really feel like you you know you're on the fence and you can hear the hits it just sort of it's just weird I've talked about that it's just getting out there too I don't like it I don't like it <laughs> and the last game of the round was Queen's birthday clash was Melbourne defeating Collingwood yeah. at the MCG uh, Max Gorn Played the game of his life, two goals, yep. 27 possessions. Probably he's now become the best ruckman going around. I mean, Todd Goldstein's injured when he until he comes back. Mm. Um, do you remember Max Gorn being a bit of a joke a couple of years ago? Well, yeah, it must be the beard or something. Like he's yeah. kind of, he's, maybe he's kind of more relaxed, you know, more comfortable. Well, the commentators were saying something, and I don't know if they were joking because he looks like a hipster, but they said he, 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 he does pop-up cafes out of his garage. Have you heard this? Oh, really? 
No. Yeah, no, I don't know if that's legit. Like if he actually does, you know, he runs a pop-up cafe or no. if they're just saying because he looks like a hipster and that's a very hipster thing to do. But I don't know. It's a very sophisticated modern joke for the Channel 7 commentary team if, in fact, that's what they're referring to. Is, a pop, is it a pop-up cafe if you're just popping up in the one spot? Yeah. Or isn't that more just like if it's a just cafe? for Well, no, I don't think it stays up is the point. It's just like he runs a cafe for a day, just pops it up. Yeah, well, that just means you're open for a day. But, like, pop-up... Isn't pop-up, like, where am I? Here I am. And In then my garage, again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moves it to a different part of his garage. It's a large garage. Uh, so, what do you make of the pies? It's just not a, not a good game at all. No Travis Cloak. He was dropped for this game. Yeah. They went in with three Ruckman, obviously, in an attempt to combat Max Gorn. But people say you can't win a game with two Ruckman... It was odd that they would have three ruckmen. One of them, who's an American, has played less than ten games. Yeah, true. He's played. He got a basketball background as well, Charles. I don't know if you're aware of that. I didn't even um, know he was American. At... <laughs> <laughs> They're sitting at fourteenth with four wins from twelve. So that yeah, it's, it's obviously not looking flash for them. Um, I suppose I didn't see. Uh, I, I didn't see AFL three sixty on Monday night. Did uh, Bucks do it, or was it too close to the game? Uh pretty certain bucks still a bit vague but um i'm sure it was the usual kind of thing a lot of laughter a lot of um you know um jokes and he read, he read out a few jays sang a few kevin blood wilson songs that was all really yeah. upbeat and upbeat yeah, and happy. yeah he said look there's more to life than winning yeah yeah he said it's look you know, as you know me i don't really take these things too seriously so <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> but the demons on the other hand looked pretty exciting i think christian petrarca is going to be a, a gun he uh, kicked an amazing goal where he like span out of trouble, yeah. you know, kicked it on the left. He he just look he's you know what he he just looks like he loves being out there for a nineteen year old and he's big too. He's got that kind of inside midfielder body and he's skillful and he's got a basketball background. Oh, really? Another one? <laughs> yeah, oh, he does. So he's got great awareness, as uh, Jared Healy pointed out. You know, he sees the game so well because of his he's used to three hundred sixty degree movement from his basketball yeah. background. Yeah. But um, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be a superstar. It's just such a shame we couldn't take both him and McCartan because I'm happy with McCartan. But you know, he just looks like he's going to be a, a superstar. Um, seems to know it too. That's the other thing about watching Pachaka play. A free guy who's played less than ten games, he, he seems to really have a good sense of self. <laughs> okay, got a few tickets on himself. Does do you do you think? I don't think he has tickets on himself. I think he just big jam. Oh, well. I think he enjoys it in the same way that sort of Stevie J. It's not. I don't think it's a malicious kind of uh, uh, arrogance or cockiness. Mm. It's kind of like he just genuinely can pull a lot of shit off. He just is yeah, a natural yeah. athlete and he's very skillful and he's big, strong body and stuff. So there's probably not a. He probably, he probably is that kind of dude who you know picks up a fucking you know tennis racket having never played tennis and is really good at it, or you know can water ski without fucking trying. He just has. Yeah. It's one of those kind of fucking dudes. Um, it just so happens that uh, he's playing AFL. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're right. And I think at the start of year, everyone just wanted an, an effort from Melbourne. And then you, yeah. now we are kind of getting consistent efforts each week. So, you know, there's reasons for fans. Because I've said so many Melbourne fans who are just like, they go to a game, they're very excited, and then they just go, oh, God, they're fucking doing nothing. But now they're are actually... You... Yeah, well, they've... I think that the key is stringing the wins together, right? Like, mm. it's no good having an inspirational win if then you, you drop the next week. And they're, they're starting yeah. to kind of put them together. But, I mean, it's about fucking time, really, isn't it? 
I it's mean, been a long time. It's been a long time of draft concessions and yeah. all this kind of shit. And it's, I mean, I would be interested to sort of see how many of those players that they drafted, you know, over the last five years are in their current lineup. But I think next year will be the real interesting one when Simon Goodwin takes over, you know, and it gets out of that sort of caretaker role of, of Paul Ruse. I mean, that's the rumor anyway, really, is that Simon Goodwin's doing a lot of the match day kind of machinations. Maybe you might as well train him up, you know, get him to yeah. do a quarter. Then Ruzi does a quarter. Then um, Goody does a quarter. And um, the uh, the the big freeze, I love it. Yeah, it was awesome. The uh, Fermata Neuron. Mm. I sat down and watched that whole thing. That was that was hilarious. Uh, yeah, it was pretty good. Who was your favourite? Jared Waitley as well, the jockey. Well, I actually called up Lemo later that night. So I kind of said like, "This is a weird question, but what was it like going in there?" And yeah. uh, and he said, "Yeah, it's pretty cold. It's pretty cold." But uh, he said, um, "He said you feel like your your heart stops for about three seconds." Um, uh, well, and then, so um, what? We, I didn't see him go down. What was he dressed as? He kind of had Hawthorne um, speedos on and yeah. had his body kind of body painted. Yeah, like muscles. So he looked like muscles. he was really buff, like a six pack and stuff like that. Oh, but he wasn't being anyone in particular. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, no, that was really good. That was actually... Uh, and I like the way that um, they actually tried to make it into an event, even though it was a very short slide. But they mm. would do an action replay and they would, <laughs> they would talk about tactics and stuff and then give a score at the end. Yeah, um, it was cool. And it's made massive money too. It was cool, Michael. You might say it was freezing. Uh, yeah. Oh, actually, fun. yeah, I actually I I I did it before the um before the game, testing it out. Yeah. And then I just as I kind of um is about to jump into the pool itself, I said, "Ice to meet you." <laughs> oh, come I on. Think, I think that's enough silence to uh, adequately <laughs> somehow I feel about that joke. Okay, so uh, this is a split round we're coming into, and it is a buy for Adelaide, Gold Coast, Richmond, St Kilda, and Carlton and Collingwood, which, uh, you know, that's okay. I don't mind. It's a good time for us because we've got a few injuries. I wonder if anyone, no one there is really on a roll. Maybe Adelaide, I guess. Maybe Adelaide. The, the only, the killer buy could come into play for Adelaide after that big win, but they were on the road, so who knows? But I don't think anyone there would be. Uh, uh, too upset about going on, on, on a break, do you? No, they become a bit boring, the, the buy runs, don't they? Because they just have the six games, they don't kind of have as many. You know, kind of, yeah. your football weekend can be a bit empty, but uh, I suppose that's the nature of it. Can't complain. Um, but the first game of, uh, of this, uh, this, round, this split round is North Melbourne versus Hawks at oh, Etihad Ooh. Stadium. Now, this is a good, interesting game, really, because um, you guys are both injured at the moment, got some significant injuries. Uh, you need to keep winning to get into the top mm. four. North need to maintain their advantage. I think they're still two games clear on the top of the ladder. Um, I think they're it's a hard one to pick. Now. Oh, are they? Yeah, yeah. Well, North has matched up with us pretty well over the last like, bunch of years, um, and there was uh, you know a few events over the last couple of years like uh, yeah, Britain, when fucking Hodge Brian went and well, yeah, Swallow and Swallow, uh, Swallow, um, Lewis, Goldstein, Goldstein. Yeah. and um, I think it was the year before Brian Lake attempted to um, to uh, murder Drew Petrie on the middle of the ground <laughs> with fifty thousand witnesses. Um, so there's a lot of talk in the press down here. I don't know if you've seen, it, um, but like on the yeah. um, websites down here about um, you know Clarko saying I want it unsociable but not unsportsmanlike, and North Melbourne saying that you know we're not going to get we're not going to get pushed around. So with a bit of luck. 
Massive fights. Massive fights. Can't wait. Yeah. What's your uh, so who are your three tall defenders? You got Gibson, uh, Frawley. Yeah, Gibson, Frawley, and then I don't, well, not tall. Burgoyne gets down the back. Um, there's Dre. I think might be coming back this week. He's a tiny dude. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, since um, since Lake, yeah, last year it was brilliant with Lake Gibson and um, uh, Frawley. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Well, I guess you don't, I mean, unless suddenly those North forwards regain their early season form, it shouldn't be too much of a problem because, uh, like I said, Waite has not kicked a goal in three weeks, which is uh, a real shame. I was enjoying that kind of geriatric bandwagon <laughs> moving yeah. forward. Um, yeah, yeah. The next game is up at the Gabba, Brisbane Lions second on West Coast, and. I mean, it's like, you know, we said it last week, it's just hard to muster any enthusiasm for these games. From what I've been told from people who have been going to games at the Gabba, oh, yeah. it's it's pretty dire in terms of, like, attendances, especially in the corporate areas. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I think general public, you know, they're still selling seats, but all those kind of, what are they, coterie functions and, um, you know, where the club really makes their money on those corporate, they're just not selling any of those tickets. Like, a lot of those yeah. dining rooms are empty, which is just, it's fucking weird. I mean, I don't know what happened. So they won three flags in a row and then what, the AFL just withdrew all support? They're like, okay, you know, we've got them up and running. We don't need to worry about them anymore. And now this has happened. Uh, I don't know. I mean, those flags are uh, 13 years ago. It's quite a long time now. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there was a big boost and then they... But I mean, even the most popular of team, um, if you're going to struggle like this for, what, six years now? Mm. Um, you're going to find it difficult to have people come along. It doesn't take long for people to drop off. Yeah, but I guess the the danger is when you're in non-traditional AFL territory, yeah. that drop-off is much more steep. Yeah. Do you remember that um, Robert Walsh story from years ago when he was coaching the Brisbane Brisbane Bears? And made them punch went, each other? No, oh, no, no, there's no. that one. But he went into a McDonald's and the guy behind the counter was like, you know, hey, you like you like football? He's like, yeah, I like football. And he's like, well, here's four free tickets to the Brisbane Bears game on the weekend. <laughs> and he's kind of like, oh, I think I'll be right. But, you know, maybe they need to do that. I thought what you were going to say was, hey, you like football? You like football? Well, check out these footballs. <laughs> just nuts on the counter. No, that's, that's a film I'm writing. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, over in Perth, a rejuvenated Frio take on uh, Port Adelaide. Um, which could be actually quite a good game, I think. Yeah. Now that it's now that it's actually in Perth, um, Port just have to win to stay in touch with the top eight. Yeah. But I think Frio, I think they're over that fucking depressing start to the year. They've won a couple in a row. They've unearthed some good kids. Matt Maddie Tabner seems to be starting to play well. They've got a lot to play for. They'll have a home, they'll have a crowd that's really going crazy for them. So. I think uh, then, oh, sorry. Who did you? Who did you? So you're obviously picking Hawthorne for the first game. Who you pick out? Oh well, I have to go to him. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not saying that with any kind of confidence, but I'm, I'm going to do that because I'm you know, um, thing. But I'm just looking here at the tantalising um, Saturday night game, Charles um, Bulldogs and Geelong. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, that will be a ripper. Uh, could you yeah. have a tip for Frio and Port? Frio and Port, uh, uh, Port, because they got to keep on winning. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't yeah. really matter for Frio. Yeah, Bulldogs versus Geelong will be an absolute ripper. I. Th- yeah, it's, I can't get a re... You know, the okay, here's my impression of these two teams, is the Bulldogs, they had all those injuries, and everyone was so excited about them after those first three rounds, yeah. and then they lost, you know, pretty much their entire back line. And then we all sort of cooled off them for a bit. 
And they had some wins and they had some losses and no one really kind of paid much attention. But now you have to start paying attention to them again because they're still hanging in there. Like, you oh, know, definitely. they are, they're really good. They're really good. Um, they've got a really good mix of, uh, uh, of speed and, and, and height and all the kind of, you know, different players you need. Um, but they've coped well with injury, which is the sort of, you know, the one thing that you can't really prepare for. So I get the feeling that the Bulldogs are kind of, they're battling their way through this second half of the year. They've still got all that silk there, but, you know, they're still sort of really up against it. Whereas Geelong, kind of, it's it's sort of theirs to lose. Like, they've got everything going. They've got the best player in the league. Um, you know, they're, you know, Joel Selwood is now their second best midfielder. And so he's just... That's a really good point, it. yeah. Have you heard the uh, people are calling them Dangerwood? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that like, it's like the brand, Are they going yeah, the out? Are they? <laughs> I think so. Um, so I, it's at Etihad. I mean, it's hard to tip against the Bulldogs at Etihad. Uh, I'm going to tip the doggies just because I'm going to uh, go doggies. I'd like as well. them to win. Yeah, I'm going to go doggies as well because I think because uh, uh, I've got a feeling they're kind of underdogs in this one. So that, mm. that's why I'm, I think they're going to win it. I actually do think they play Etihad quite well too, and you get a lot of uh, Bulldog supporters to Etihad Stadium. In fact. Mm. Will took me round one. We went to see the Bulldogs uh, versus Frio, and we went to the president's lunch. and the And the president of uh, the Bulldogs was saying that you know, because uh, Eddie McGuire had come out and said they need to build another stadium, knock down Eddie Haddon, build another stadium closer to Olympic Park, a boutique stadium. And um, the Bulldogs president was like, "Well, no, like this is the closest stadium to the Western Suburbs. We feel very you know closely linked to this ground." And uh, apparently, Eddie called him up and had some choice words for him. <laughs> No, <laughs> about that. Eddie, Eddie well, disagreed. I think it was uh, uh, right to say. Well, well, I think you probably only like three or four train stops from Footscray um, yeah. to get not to even. get to Eddie. Yeah, maybe I think, not I think, even. Yeah. I think there's an express. Uh, they run an express train to Spencer Street, uh, Southern yeah, Cross gotcha. Station now. Yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, I mean, that whole thing, the boutique thing. I don't know. They, yeah. they might work that out one day, but. But uh, I, I don't have a problem with Eddie Ed. And there's a lot of really good heroin for sale around the Docklands, so you get a lot of Bulldog supporters uh, coming in. <laughs> don't fucking roll your eyes as if that's the one joke that's gone too far. I, I didn't, yeah, I, I wasn't thinking heroin. Because Footscray's like really lighty da now. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Well, well I, that, I, don't trade in, I don't trade in fact, I trade in stereotypes. Yeah, true, true. All that part of Melbourne, yeah. Like it's all like young, young, young families and they're having, cafe, having lattes at the cafe. Yeah, right. Even Seddon? Well, I mean, well, Seddon, Seddon's gone off, mate. Yeah, it's, really? gone. it's a different world, Charles. You've got to get to Melbourne. It's a different world. The whole place, the whole West has taken off. I mean, okay. sunshine, you, you get stabbed. But <laughs> you can go, to, go to the dog, go to Footscray and go to Seddon and all those places. Oh, dude. Uh, Sydney Swans take on uh, Melbourne at the SCG. Um, now, I don't know how much interest uh, this game holds for people out there, but... This may win you over when I tell you that before the game, there is going to be a curtain yeah. raiser uh, for Red Kite, which is a charity that helps um, uh, children and the fa- children suffering from cancer in their families. And you may see a little duggery, a nuggety dower halfback flanker named Charlie Clawson lining up for Adam Spencer's team. Um, it's actually I went I, I I signed up to play this thing last year as well, but uh, they had really heavy rain before the game and um, they told us that uh, they didn't want us ruining the turf for the actual footballers. <laughs> so we didn't get to have a kick. We got to go out and do kind of like um, goal kicking drills and I managed to miss a goal 
directly in the front, 15 metres out. It was... Uh, Cloakey! Yeah, oh, fuck, it was bad. Like, it was really... It was amazing, like, because, you know, we was having the warm-ups and stuff, and I was just nailing them. But just that pressure, Michael, that fucking... That added, that added pressure. Um, they say, but, yeah, definitely, in, in the charity matches, you've really got to take your, your chances <laughs> early because it come back to bite you on the ass. Yeah. yeah. Now, if you want to um, make a donation or uh, support the Red Kite Charity, you can find them uh, on Twitter at Red Kite Charity. Or um, on the day, I'll be uh, putting a few tweets out. So I'll be linking it with uh, hashtag Red Day, hashtag Red Kite. Um, but you can find them at Red Kite and at Red Kite Charity. It's a really, um, it's a really great organisation. And uh, not only that, but uh, you'll be seeing me potentially. Um, it's AFL nines. So it's non-contact, but uh, there's a few people I've got fucking ready to line up. There's, there's yep. a few people. It's, it's you know, it's payback. Yeah, time. who's playing? Who's playing? Um, do you want me to go through the list? Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, okay. I just, I'm just concerned you're going to you rip your ass open again <laughs> <laughs> on the SCG turf. You don't want to do that. A lot of pressure, Charlie. Yeah, hang don't on. rip your just, ass open. Let me just give you one second to ring this up. Um... Maybe you can get a. Uh, maybe you can get Lars. When you rip your eyes open and come back quicker. <laughs> <laughs> have that, Lars. Okay, like here we go. So, lining up for the red team, captain by Adam Spencer, is Alex Dyson from Triple J, yours truly from Home and Away, Joel Jackson, uh, Peter Allen from uh, The Boy From Oz, and uh, also star of Deadline Gallipoli, Adam Peacock, who's a Fox Sports presenter, Christy Mercer from Kiss 106, uh, I don't know, a radio station. Andrew Reid from Bondi Rescue. Peter Phelps. Phelpsy! Phelpsy! And Tegan Nash from Saturday Disney. Now, they're all my teammates, so I'm not going to line any of them up. But the white team, boo. Uh, Scott Gooding from My Kitchen Rules is the captain. Um, Sam Mack. Oh. Now, I fucking owe Sam Mack. I yeah, owe him big cheap. time. He stitched me cheap. up at the Good Friday appeal yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, so he's got, you're a marked man, Sam Mack. you got a target on your back. Yeah. I'm going to be playing very unso. I'm going to be playing unsociable football, but not what's the what did uh, Alistair Clarkson say? Uh, not unsportsmanlike. Not it's unsportsmanlike. The other way around. It's going to be unsportsmanlike, not unsociable. Yeah, that's right. Stacey June, another Kiss uh, FM host. A Christian Sh- Christian Schmidt. Uh, it says he is an MTV presenter. I would have thought he was an actor. He was, Smith, wasn't was he? Neighbors, Todd, Todd Robertson from Neighbours. From neighbors? Wasn't he? Yeah. Blair McDonough. He's, he's, Who's Baker. also from Neighbours and Big Brother. Rob Cowlton, um, who uh, shanned on pitches. Lisa Gormley, Home and Away. And Ed Halmigli. Yep. Ed from Better Homes and Gardens. Yeah, choker, choker. No, I, can, I can't see your team losing. Um, have you ever played AFL 9s? Uh, no, no. It's, it's odd. Like it, It's kind of hard to get the hang of. It's a bit like playing netball uh, with AFL because the basic rule is if the ball hits the deck... It's a turnover. So you've got to hit all your targets. If you've got to hit your targets by hand or by foot. Um, but if the ball, if the ball goes into dispute or, you know, it's dropped, then it's a turnover. That sounds impossible. <laughs> so it's, it's really like fucking hard. Turning that well, the whole time. It is. Yeah. And also because you're taught when you play normal AFL, you know, to play on at all costs. But in this game, it actually works against you to play on because unless you're actually definitely going to hit a target, then. That's no good. Joel Jackson is my smokey for uh, BOG. Um, I saw okay. him uh, warming up last year. He's six foot four. He's a rangy player. He's uh, got good separation, good acceleration as well. Um, so look for him to be uh, best on ground. If I don't win it, that is. Yep, yep. No, competing for uh, uh, competing for a medal, I imagine at the at the end. Yeah. Well, fuck that guy's. I mean, he's bloody Peter Allen, isn't? He's, his life's already sorted. He's going to follow the Hugh Jackman route. 
The last game of the round is uh, Essendon versus GWS at Etihad. Um, what can you say about this game that's going to possibly make people want to watch it? Um, maybe it's in high def. <laughs> Help people out. And that's about it. All right, thanks for listening <laughs> to Two Guys, One Cup this week. Michael, thank you so much for uh, sitting in for Will. I can't um, guarantee that uh, I won't need you back next week because um, okay. I, still, I still haven't heard from Will. Uh, yep. I'm assuming he's okay. Um, yep. uh, but well, it, I hear you two only communicate through podcast form, so there's no phone contact whatsoever. It's just like, you know, send to your podcast. I know, you, about, you know. I know you're joking, but that's <laughs> pretty much right. Like, yep. we, the thing was, we would... When we started doing TOEFOP and, you know, we'd catch up, we wouldn't talk to each other before we started recording because we'd see each other and then we'd want to tell each other a funny story. But then we'd, no, 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 save it for the podcast. Yeah. But we used to at least be able to talk about football. So we'd meet up before we did a TOEFOP and we'd talk about the footy. <laughs> now we can't even fucking do that. <laughs> so you don't know how right you are, Michael. You don't um, know how right you are. Um, just get do a you little have any- microphone surgically attached to your arm just so you can just walk around at all times and record it. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, do you have anything to plug? Uh, I think we'll I'm plug your podcast. The, yeah, yeah, the podcast. Sorry, yeah, the Junk Time AFL podcast with my, myself and Adam Rosenbachs. Uh, it's uh, available in your iTunes, and uh, it's uh, it's going gangbusters, mate. <laughs> Is that it? It's going gangbusters? Yep. Yeah, that's what I got. Um, do you get, we know how you do your whole kind of, um, hey, email, email us in if you've seen football is out and about or um, yeah. email us in with baby with your bathwaters. Yeah. Do you get a variety of people emailing you each week or is, does it tend, do you have like the usual suspects? Uh, no, we get a, we get a variety. I mean, we were talking about chicken salt, I think a couple of weeks ago and, and, a, and a viewer sent, a viewer, a listener sent through, um, uh, it was kind of chicken salt in real life and it was a Matani, um, van in, um, Adelaide. <laughs> But yeah, no, the footballers in real life are great. Like we, we, we stress, don't tweet it because that we don't want the kind of you know tracking them through there in mm. real time. But you know, we've had Jake Kyla, yeah, eating um, uh, eating a Big Mac at McDonald's. Um, oh yeah, Cloak, I had that one. It's good to David, know. David, I think it was David Cloak in the field, in the food court at Westfield or something like that. So the yeah. footballers, um, Luke Darcy strolling down Elizabeth Street carrying a very lovely suit with the family. So, um, yeah, yeah. Hey, man, they're real people. They're real people living real lives. <laughs> I don't think I've seen, I haven't seen, I haven't seen, well, in summer, you just need to go to the north end of Bondi to find the swans. Yeah. But um, you don't really see, well, I don't see too many, I don't see too many players just out and about. I mean, I go to a lot of events and stuff. In, in Melbourne, you'd see a lot of AFL players, you know, they're sort yeah, of high would. on the kind of invite list, but you don't really see that many at the Sydney events. I mean, I'm, I'm also, imagining that there'd be NRL players, but I don't really recognise those guys, so... Yeah, they're the dudes pissing in the corner. Yeah. Well, they're the dudes whose fucking necks are fucking as thick as my yeah. bloody legs. <laughs> they're the dudes humping meet, dogs out the front. I didn't actually... <laughs> someone strays. I did meet an NRL player the other day who's apparently quite famous, and I had no idea who he was. He's a lovely bloke. But mm. everyone was like, oh, that's so-and-so. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, he's yeah. like a nice guy. But yeah, Can't don't see... I don't know where the um I don't know where the GWS players hang out. Like the Swannies, you know, that's inner city, Paddington, Oxford, you know, Bondi. Yeah. But I don't know if the GWS players actually live in the west of Sydney because it's fucking miles away. Yeah, like, yeah. Know. Well, I imagine in terms of traffic and stuff like that, you probably do want to be a bit closer because it'd be a bit of hike, particularly in peak hour. Although I think I think they get there kind of most of the times. I think gets the club. Bet- 
you know seven or eight, so maybe a bit a tad before the the real peak hour. The real traffic. But I suppose How do you know they get there at the seven time. or eight? Well, I don't know. I don't know for sure, but I, the, that's what Jared Ruffhead said. He went. They yeah, get there right. at like seven most days. Which is very, yep. very, very early. I saw. I saw Ruffy uh, with his bloody courtside tickets over yeah, in the yeah. states. Looks like he's yeah, I don't know if going he, okay. I don't know if he gets to hang around for the whole because they've got possibly three left. I don't know if he gets to hang around for the whole time. But yeah. um, but yeah, good on him. Wishing you all the best, Ruffy. Um, Big rough. So uh, yeah, hopefully, Michael. And I mean, this is the best possible way. Hopefully, I won't see you next week. But um, uh, if I do, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'll have something funny to say. No, no, that's all right. I hope I don't. I, don't, I hope I don't. I hope uh, every Will's luggage comes back and you can have a nice proper chat with him uh, about yeah. the uh, the victory of the doggies over the weekend. Play on, not fifteen. I go the Mighty Hawkers. <laughs> we are two guys, one car.